1: You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game.
0: This is the Power Producers Podcast, production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we're refining and redefining the sales game. And today, we are blessed to have Mr. Jack Wingate. From all-choice insurance in North Kakalaki on the podcast. <laughs> what's
2: going on, Jack? Not much, man. Another beautiful day in North Carolina. I would like to go play <laughs> some golf, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> what What's the weather <laughs> like
1: up there right now, man? Because it can get kind of wonky this time of year.
2: So we had snow last week, um, a lot in the mountains, flurries where I'm at. But I think today it's supposed to be like 50-ish. Yeah, that, pretty that's pretty what nice I'm here, talking man.
3: about. That's it's, crazy. It's 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 like 50 here today or something like that. Gray, Gray. and co- it looks like like we're up north. What part of North Carolina?
2: So right now I'm in smack dab in the middle. So Winston Salem area. Okay.
3: Yeah. Got it. I, God, uh, the name
2: of that place. There's a restaurant there that
1: has ridiculous shrimp and grits that they make Village with the menagerie. Yes, sir. It's
2: so right down yes, the from me. Big fan. Yeah, big fan, obviously. Yeah, evidently, so there's two in Winston-Salem, and I can't remember all the other places, but I know a guy who knows the guy who started it. And I was like, why are there restaurants? If you look it up Village Tavern on the internet, you'll see he has like, he's got one in Scottsdale, I think. I was like, why are all these restaurants in odd places? He's like, it's every place he has a house. I was like,
3: oh, Uh, (laughs) there you go. Well, that makes you know, sense. Yeah,
1: There you have it. I will tell you that the reason why I understand the, the weird weather patterns in North Carolina this time of year is probably the single worst property claim I've ever had in my career happened because of that weird weather. I, I had a, an account that um, was up in uh, Nashville, North Carolina, and the uh, the storm had come through and put a bunch of snow down, and then the next day it got up to like fifty degrees and it all melted. and then the next night it dropped back down and snowed again. And we had an issue with the weight of the the snow and the ice on the roof caused the roof to collapse on the four uh, pillars that were holding it up. and it's a it was a chicken laying facility. So uh, an egg laying facility with a bunch of chickens, they were all dead. I mean, there's there was no way. salvage the birds. And this was years, several years ago when the avian bird flu outbreak had happened and it finally made it to the United States and it didn't hit that part of the country. It was pretty much isolated to the Midwest. And so these people lost an entire laying house in prime time. And it took us a year and a half to adjust that claim, even maybe closer to two years, because They needed to let the market run to understand what the price of eggs was going to do because of the impact of the bird flu on the business income side of it. If we would have written, you know, the way that we had set it up, we, we had a matrix for the birds where if it was a layer, a pullet, or, you know, a bird that was getting ready to be out of service. They each just had a line item for the price. The birds weren't the expensive part; it was the business income piece of it. And we had to let the market run and see what it was going to do before we could actually settle the claim. Originally, the carrier came in and offered them like six hundred eighty-five thousand dollars or seven hundred eighty-five thousand dollars, and it ended up settling for like one point eight or one point nine million. It
3: just seems low to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what they did.
1: I mean, that's how they right. operate.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're like a they're like a, a debt collection company
1: that's willing to settle you at the end, except in reverse. They lowball you on the front end. Right. So, hmm, so we were talking a little bit about personal lines right before uh, we jumped on, but before we get into some of that stuff, Jack, talk a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today, if you don't mind.
2: Yeah. So the um, the great story that every I feel like every insurance agent has <laughs> never thought in a million years this is what I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually went to college in, um, at Appalachian State, so up in the mountains. Uh, thought I wanted to be a lawyer at first. Glad I didn't go that route. But I majored in finance, grabbed a double major in risk management in risk management because it was two classes extra and I wasn't ready to leave. Um, got out of school, went to work for a – we were a telemarketing firm that did Fortune 500 mainframe hardware. Mainframe hardware. So, <laughs> you know, fun times. I knew good money in it, but didn't like it. I had a buddy who had uh, been a lifelong; his whole family was in the insurance business at North Carolina Farm Bureau. So um, I, he got me in, and I stayed there for two years. It's Farm Bureau uh, up here at least is a great place to start. They give you like a book of business. Um, they kind of train you up on how to do personal lines and really small commercial. Um, Stay there for two years. I, I'm not a I, I'm not built to have someone tell me what to do. So, um, so I started all choice two years later, which was, uh, the year, let's see. Oh, four. Um, yeah, that's right. August of four. So kind of done that, been doing this now for a while. We've got four locations, which sounds bigger than we really are. Um, my business partner, who's uh, more advanced in age than I am, uh, he'll be retiring here in probably another year and a half. His whole family moved to the beach. So I finally talked him into, you know, hey, you can do business from anywhere, move to the beach. So we opened our beach office and then. Um, Especially looked- these days, right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and bless his heart, he is, he's not old, Mike, 60, but uh, technology wise, he's 90,000 years old.
3: <laughs> yes. You know. My so- dad is the same way, man. <laughs> he can't figure out Venmo. He calls me every time.
2: Yes.
1: Can I just go ahead and throw out there that the guy who is doing the progressive commercials right now that trains you not to be your parents are my all time favorite. I I I literally about pissed myself. I literally almost pissed myself the other night when he ended the commercial and it's like, okay, now we're going to open a PDF. Who's up next? And like everybody gets the alligator arms and stuff from the computer. I mean, how many people have had to coach their parents through like opening an internet attachment those things are so dead on, man. Yeah, I, they I are. absolutely love those commercials. Oh, They're
0: genius.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so he, uh, you know, he's he's a he's the old school salesman. So he will go and people will do business with him to shut him up. Like, look, okay, I will buy this. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so he's very good at what he's done. Um, so we got him down to the beach and then we we're, you know, kind of serendipity. Um, Jared Bellman, uh, is up in our mountain office and, uh, he was just in a, he was in a spot where the agency is, was at, was not giving him the resources. I was able to come in and set him up. So that's why we have a mountain office. So again, kind of, it sounds better than it really is. So really we're just a small little agency that likes to do things well. So that's, that's sort of the gist of it, man. <laughs>
1: yeah. But I, you know what, I think I've heard it, I don't want this to sound negative, but- at all, so it's more of a compliment than anything else. But what you're able to do is pull off the myth, right? You create the myth that you're much bigger than what you really are, and and we have done something pretty much very similar to that because I I, I had Nick Ayers come down uh, three weeks ago to do some recording stuff for Better Agency, and I told him I said prepare to be underwhelmed when you walk into my office. I mean, you know, it's I don't I don't believe in in building yeah, your a office brand- week. <laughs> it is. You actually have the better office than I do. But, um, you know, I look at it this way, man. It's uh, you build an office and spend a lot of money on having bricks and mortar. What are you really building it for? You're building a monument to yourself so you feel good about yourself. I really don't care. And in, in personal lines, it may be a little bit different. Obviously, yeah. not during COVID. But I mean, depending on how your business is set up, some of these Main Street shops have an office because they always have. I can tell you that in the course of my career, I've closed two deals in my own office and they both sucked so i really hope i don't ever do another <laughs> one again i mean I, I have a lot of money owed to me from the last one we did but people just don't yeah. walk in to do business with us and when you're dealing with the cfo of a company for commercial
2: insurance you're not going to ask them to leave their office to come no, you go get their office
0: yeah well the yeah, only- you know,
2: it's funny so we've got the four offices And literally there's like one person each in each office, you know, and the office I'm in right now is in Clemens, which is like Winston-Salem. And like, I'm the only, like there's hairstylists in other little parts in here. So like no one comes here. I can work from the house, but honestly, we leave all the locations just for local search. I mean, we, we, no one ever comes to our office but if you-, you just defined exactly
1: why I opened a second office because th- that office is probably 45 or where it's across the street from where Kyle's neighborhood is but it's 45 to 50 minutes for me to get up there what i looked at was okay there's an opportunity here for me to get a decent deal on rent because the guy that has the building is a friend of mine that's a benefits agency and we refer all of our benefits over to him anyhow. So right. it's, good to, yeah, it's good to have a PNC relationship there. But what I was really doing was establishing a footprint for the future because when I tell you this is where everything's going, it's yeah. insane to see the explosive growth. I mean, it's, it's really unparalleled as to how quickly that part of town is growing. And I just think that if we're going to be serious about personal lines in our agency, which I had to put my foot in the ground and say, I'm going to commit to it this year, January 1, we have to have a presence there. And I know that we have to have it for Google map listings and everything else. So it is well, what it is. into a
3: good move, man. Because like you just talked about, I was just on the phone um, before we started here with a, with a real estate agent um, that We just brought on and and we were just talking about the the growth in this area it's i mean if you drove down 54 five even even five years ago i mean it's cow pastures on each side not anymore man it's i mean there's community after community and shopping center and plaza after plaza and it's just it's continuing to spread um you know north because we're about a half hour north of tampa here so it's not like we're You know, far away, but we're still, you know, not super close. I mean, it's it's just it's like a spider web, man. It just keeps going. It's crazy.
2: Well, and and it's and it's odd, and and I'll I'll say this, and not to I think I I was listening to some of y'all's podcast while I was waiting to pick my daughter up from theater practice. Um, and uh, you know, it's I think David said that he was on a you were on a podcast with Sydney, and you're like I don't really want to give a lot of that away. Well, I I think I I was on one with her. And I think it launched this past Monday. But, um, you know, one of the things I told her was, you know, when I I was two, two years ago, I wanted to be known as sort of the branding and marketing guy in the industry. Whoa, that has not ever happened. But um, for whatever reason, now I'm the automation guy. Like if you think about me, people think, okay, automation, that's just whatever it is. But, you know, I spend so much time looking at search and If you're wanting to drive personal lines like you guys are, man, having having that location where you're wanting to do business is, I mean, it's at the, it's like one of the top four ranking factors of Google. Like proximity is, Mm -hmm. you can't beat proximity. Well, I'll tell you, man, my MO
1: is kind of this. I see things before a lot of other people see them. I don't know if it's a talent or whatever, but I'm many times accosted for that sometimes by my wife, because they just don't see potential as quickly. And do I make mistakes? I absolutely make mistakes, but I'm not one of those people that's going to sit here and pontificate on making a decision for days, weeks, or months. I get an idea and that idea is executed in a matter of minutes. I just don't wait. I I feel like for me, if I make a quick decision and I realize, I mean, obviously this one I thought about for a little bit, because I signed a lease for three years, but you know, if I, Anything along those lines, whether it be something for marketing or an expense for the company or whatever else, it's literally a split second decision in most cases for me. And if I make a mistake, I just cut bait and move on. But I feel like the amount of money that I lose by making mistakes is nowhere near as much as I would lose an opportunity cost if I didn't make the decision to begin with. Oh,
2: yeah, definitely. I mean, we, you know, we do a lot of, and, and maybe my talent, whether right, wrong, or indifferent is the ability to sort of see things outside of the insurance scope and, and bring it back in to the insurance world. Because I think for the most part, as agents, we all get wrapped in the, this is how insurance is done. Um, and, and it's different if you're doing middle market, probably a little bit different than doing lower end, you know, hundred grand and below premium commercial and personal lines, it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: different processes, everything. But, you know, most of us, in the, in the world that we live in, don't give our clients insurance the way that they receive the rest of their products and services. True. They'll try to be antiquated. So like when I'm building out automations, it's really me just going, Hey, I think I would like to, if I was a consumer, get my stuff this way and I'll start building the automations, whether it's right or wrong. And I scrap a ton of the stuff that I, that I start with, but I'll be like, Hey, and my staff hates me. They're like, again, we have something else. And I'm like, look, let's (laughs) try it and see how it works. And, you know, and, and we'll we'll do it. Okay, that didn't work. But if we tweak this, we tweak this. I mean, sort of like like you said, David, I don't like to fail forward. That's a stupid, stupid thing. Um, but I mean, you, you, you're doing your tweak. Otherwise, you're just paralyzed by analysis. So.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, man, because, you know, we use HubSpot. I think you're Infusionsoft, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I've got a full time guy that does all of our. That's not me. I can I can know what I want it to do and what I what I want the sequence to look like, and you know, part of it's probably just a mental block. Am I capable of sitting down and learning it? Absolutely. But when you start getting into like the if then logic, and in the trees of automation sequences and all of that. That's just not the language I speak. And for me, again, I could probably learn it and do it, but it's easier for me to, to outsource that and cheaper for me to outsource yep. that to somebody else. Um, you know, we I, I had a sleepless night. We were talking about it right before we started recording. I literally have been up since almost yesterday um, at this point because we hired local traffic marketing. Chris Jill's company, you know, the Advisor Evolve does our website and I wanted to use them to commit to doing personal lines and start putting these some of these things in place. And you know, we we've been about 2 or 3 weeks in and I've not seen anything at all trickling through and I'm like, I'm spending some coin here, what's the deal? I should be seeing some level of activity. So I jump into HubSpot because HubSpot is supposed to be connected with the Facebook Ads interface and I realized that there was something broken in the automation and maybe I should have looked a week before, you know, but I was, you know, you, you understand how these ad things work. You've got to give it time. You know, most agency owners are not patient. You know, they think, oh, I'm spending a hundred bucks on Google ads. I better have 16 leads today, right? Yeah. You have to let it build. So I, I gave it a couple of weeks, but I've also been around the block enough that I'm like, this isn't quite right. We should have seen some stuff coming in. I jump into HubSpot and boom, first, first thing I see is, is a new contact is an unassigned lead from a Facebook ad form that came in. So then I go in and I filter by all of the leads we have that are unassigned. They were doing their job, man. We have like 30 leads sitting in the CRM that nobody ever contacted because one thing in that sequence was broken. And so that's my fault. I I'd look at that as my fault. Maybe I was more patient than I should have been. But at the same time, you know, we're salvaging them. I've got people calling right now nonstop to get in front of these people to make sure that we're we're reaching out to them. But it's um It's crazy, man. The automation can be a blessing and a curse all at the same time. And I think that, you know, there's a certain advantage to being able to do all of it yourself because you're ingrained in it and you're constantly on top of the process, making sure that it works. Whereas, you know, with my case, even though David L David Lefevre is in house with us, he's not, unless I tell him something's broke, he's not going to know, you know, I I, I have to feel like something's wrong. And I, I don't know how we get around that other than me, becoming
2: a HubSpot Jedi, and that's just not going to happen. No. And, and it's funny. So when, when I first, so, it, you know, long story short here, like probably I tried Infusionsoft five, six years ago, installed it, was like, oh, just got overwhelmed. And realistically, it wasn't worth the cost at that time. Um, I rebrought them on two years ago-ish. And realistically, I built out everything up until about, <laughs> I don't know, let's say the last six months, um, Austin Moorhead, uh, he and I would bounce ideas off. And then finally, I was like, "Like, dude, let's team up together. I will pay you and your VA. You know, it's very little amount now. So I come up with the ideas and I'm like, this is what I want to have happen. Now, I know how to build it, but they can do it quicker, better, and, you know, it, Lowest common denominator. I, mm-hmm. I, think, I think I've heard you talk about that a bunch. Get it to that level in, in rock and roll and, and concentrate on the stuff that you bring value to. My value is going, hey, I think this this would work. How do we implement So,
1: Yeah, that I mean, that's the beauty of what I can do. I can send David an email and say, here's what I want done, figure it out. Yeah. You know, and he wants to get into all the details with me. He wants to say, and, and so there are times where I just, suck it up and listen because i know he want he's excited about what he's done you know and, and i don't mean that in a negative way but then there's other times where i just i can't man that's not you know i've got adhd anyhow and i don't take medicine for it okay. because i don't like the way the medicine makes me feel you know he he might think that he's saying something to me but i'm 15 different places you know i'm somewhere in the bahamas mentally while he's telling me about all of this but i, I think that agency owners do need to have a general understanding at least of what it's supposed to do and have a realistic understanding of what their expectations should be from any of this stuff, because right now, you know, you know this as well as I do. We can talk about CRMs, and people love shiny objects, and they get all excited about it. But what people don't understand is when you buy a HubSpot or an InfusionSoft or even a Salesforce, you know, those are sort of the three eight hundred pound gorillas in that space. You're getting nothing but a chassis. You for still,
0: sure.
1: yeah. <laughs> you have to build everything out. And I think that's what's giving opportunity to some of these groups like Better Agency that are coming in and giving somebody something that's right out of the box and able to be used. That's huge, man. I mean, I think that that's huge. But, you know, this is not when we bring people into Killing Commercial, the very first thing they ask me, there's two things they ask me. Number one, do we have to have magic and think HR to make this work? No, you don't have to. I would highly advise that you do because that's a great part of the value proposition that we offer. But there are other things that you can do. We just happen to have those two tools in our agency and absolutely love them. Hmm. But the other piece of that is that um they ask me, Do what do I need HubSpot? And my answer is absolutely not. You know, if you if you don't have a CRM or anything at all right now, you need to stair step into something like that. You don't just go, you know, that, that would be like buying a 16 year old, a seven series BMW. You, you just, th- there's no reason for it. And the only thing that could possibly happen is an absolute disaster, yeah. right? So, you know, people need, I think that when you're, when you're talking about a better agency or I don't know who, else, maybe like a agency Zoom or Insured mine, I think those are all kind of, competitors in that space where you just you get the product it's got pre-built stuff you know you don't have to customize a bunch those are great options for people who want to dip, dip their toe in the water oh yeah
2: and you know people ask me well which one should I use and, and honestly I, I think I heard you say this as well I am too agnostic like I don't care it just happens that infusion was is where we landed I, honestly HubSpot is probably better.
1: Yeah, but, but you get to you get to a point where you've invested so much yeah. into it that there's no point in leaving. And that's one of the conversations that I've had when, you know, even talking with Seth and Sid about Neon and what that does, you know, I, I have to sit and question myself. Number one, I think that the, the technology behind that, the concept behind that, the amount of data and analysis you can get from it is fantastic. Yes. I have a 99% close rate and 99% retention. What do what what am I going to benefit by scrapping a hundred and fifty thousand dollars plus that I've put into this product to work for us to go move? I can only improve so much, and for me, there's not really anything outside of the reporting piece of it. You know, the the reports that they can get, you know, how granular they can get in data is insane. Yeah. I absolutely love it, and if this would have been available three years ago, that's probably the decision that I would have made. But at this point, you do get
2: handcuffed by this stuff. You know, you can't, you just can't leave. Yeah. And, and I think you, your agency, our agency are probably as alike with different systems as, as anyone in the the country, because I think I've heard you say, you don't, you have a management system. We never use it, but it's just there. We same thing. Like we have one. It's really for downloads, and Mm -hmm. and I'm going to go produce a certificate or whatever. It's it's that. But everything else, I mean, service ticketing, I've built in Infusionsoft. Sales pipeline is in Infusionsoft. You know, my people, our phone system is in Infusionsoft. So everything is is there, and that's a very neon-like thing. Uh, but but like you, you know, for me, as with the number of people I have, I think Neon is freaking awesome. It doesn't, it it, it can't, it's not going to move the needle, but so much for an agency. For me, that's under 10 people, you know, under 10 people. And Sydney and I talked about that, you know, it's, they know where they're at now. Is that going to change? Yeah, probably. Yeah, at some point in time, but well,
1: and the, and the problem is from what I understand that if you're 10 or less people, you can't get on the system anyhow because yeah. Varuna won't let you do that. That's what happened with Bradley Flowers, right? You hmm. know, Bradley was getting ready to move Portal into Neon, and then all of a sudden, Varuna came back and said, Oops, Sorry, can't do that. We have to have 10 seats or more. So now he's actually looking at HubSpot. We talked about that this morning, uh, quick before I got ramped up, but you know, it's um. I, I told I told Sid and Seth both I'll be a mouthpiece for you. I absolutely love what you guys are doing. I'll do everything I can to help you. But I mean, I think it's important for everybody to list that's listening to this to realize that, you know, pick w- when people ask me which system they should get. The is simple: it's the one you're going to use. Period. And if you need a simple user interface without a bunch of customization and everything else, then Get something that works out of the box. If you want to make this a long term play and an investment into your agency, because it is an investment. Yes. If, if you've heard me say it, you've heard me say it a 100 times. Technology is an investment, it's not an expense. Correct. We will get a return on technology. I don't get a return on my electric bill, really. Okay. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that people have to be willing to use it. And I've heard all kinds of legends, you know, Ryan Hanley and I have talked and he told me you're like the Infusionsoft wizard with all the stuff that you've done over there, like a mad scientist back there programming these automations and workflows. So, you know, I'm sure that you have, and you're right, different product you know, our value proposition is different than yours. Doesn't mean one's right and one's wrong. Different, you know, lines of coverage that we're going after. But if we were to look at the skeleton of what we've built, I have a feeling that we're pretty much dead on the money just with, I have HubSpot, you have Infusionsoft. Because we do exactly the same thing. All of our ticketing comes through the CRM. All of our sales stuff comes through the CRM. Uh, We have in and out texting through the CRM, phone integrates with it. I mean, We have just built our whole agency around that. And until we solve the download issue and being able to get, you know, downloads to integrate with a CRM as opposed to an agency management system, they're always going to have to coexist. I have Hawksoft and it literally is used for downloads and accounting. That's it.
3: Mm Yeah. Yeah.
2: And for us, literally, it's just the downloads and like, oh, here's my book of bu- here, here's the book of business premium. Yep. You know? um, and that even in itself is not an accurate report. I mean, you're you're depending on so many different things and uh, download, blah 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 blah. But yeah, it's when, when people come to me and they ask what system to use, I'm kind of like you. If all you're looking for is to touch and feel on your clients and, a little bit, then you need to use. If you're doing nothing grab agency, zoom, grab better agency. I'd probably go with better agency just because, you know, Nick and Preston know the insurance business. Uh, but if you're really wanting to move forward and, and then, then you've got to, you, it's not going to be easy and you've got to start with what is the first problem I need to solve, you know, and, and start building from there. Cause it, it can become, uh, inundated. You can be get inundated with just what to do because you can do so much, but I can tell you this. I would say that I run lean because I'm a tight wide anyways with staff. And I know I'm not a good boss, but I'd say the our automations are at least a person and a half.
1: Oh, see, I think we've got four people replaced. I'm I'm probably so. Yeah.
3: (laughs) So what kind of automations do you have in place then? Are, Are you guys, first of all, are you guys, are you guys personal only or are you doing commercial too?
2: No. So it's, it's funny. We're, I think as of end of last year, we were we're sixty eight percent commercial premium. Oh wow! Points. Okay. Um, but it, it's it's realistically it's a hundred thousand dollar accounts and below. And mm-hmm. most of that commercial is in that twenty to thirty grand range and below. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rest of it is personal lines. So, mm-hmm. it, but so I can treat commercial very similar to my personal. Clients, you know, some of the wording is going to be different, but realistically, the the flows are going to be about the same. Um, mm-hmm. You know, messaging is just a, tweaked a little bit, um, but realistically, so the thing that we started on was the sales pipeline and really honing that in. Um, so when we start, I think when we started it was four. It was four stages of the sales pipeline. Mm-hmm. That is, I think, expanded to eight. Mm-hmm. Why? Eight? <laughs> why it's because the messaging is different and what we, yeah, we,
1: we experienced that exact same thing, especially when you're dealing with personal lines, man, because what we, what happened is so, so with commercial, it's really simple for me. It's lead suspect prospect closed one closed lost. Now we have a couple of different uh, tweaks to that. So we've probably got five or six columns. If I remember right from the way that dashboard looks, you get over to personal lines. We have one that's got like 14 columns that it could go in because we created columns for request requote or modification requote, submitted for modification, requote, modification, requote, ready. We're we're way it, it, it's terrible. We we have to go back and streamline that, but we were trying to capture how much time we were losing because we weren't accurate the first time or you know, we weren't getting the right information or having the right conversations because even though I have experience with personalized, it's so old that it's almost like speaking a foreign language and the workflow is completely different. Completely different, especially when you're dealing with cold inbound leads, right? I I always laugh when we contact somebody who has filled out a form on the internet and they tell me they have no clue they filled out the form. Like... You filled this out five minutes ago, yeah. or less. You you don't remember doing that.
3: How is that even possible? Are they just straight up lying, or is it possible that they actually didn't do it and somebody's just like, you
2: know, we experienced that too when 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 we tested some Facebook leads.
3: Yes, mm-hmm. it's,
2: it's a different intent. They're in a different part of the funnel, and when you get those leads, a lot of times you're getting them because they somehow or other fell into something. And and again, like you said you at least put your name and something and hit submit. Right. <laughs> so, like you
3: had to have, like you yeah. had to have performed some sort of action. <laughs> like how, how do you not remember that?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it's not like it's just their name, right? You, If you go boost a post on Facebook, you're going to have people from all over the world hitting that, right? I mean, it's it's not, It's cr- I understand what they're doing. I also think it's kind of shady. I mean, it helps the algorithm. It helps your stuff show up in the newsfeed and all of that. But if I've got 15 people from Nigeria that like my post or now like my company's page because we boosted something, that's not the intent that I'm after. We're talking about a form where somebody has to put their name, address,
2: email. Like, how did we get your phone number, lady? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's nuts. And and, and it's funny because – when we started implementing originally the sales pipeline and infusionsoft, it was based off of our need to get to someone from Facebook really quick. Um, so that's where it started. Like, okay, we just need to get stuff out. but but you know, now it's, it's to the point where we, we really have a need to contact. We've gotten a lead and mm-hmm. it just starts messaging like, Hey, we need to get in touch with you. As soon as we contact them, we get something that it goes into like submission prep, just basically info gathering. Mm -hmm. Um, That lasts very, very little amount of time. And then we go into out for quote because we found that people would be like, well, I I went somewhere else because I didn't know what you were doing. I I didn't know if you were working on my stuff. So literally we built messaging to like, hey, we're working on your stuff. Oh, out for quote. Hey, we sent it out to our quote team to get this done. I mean, there's just sort of. Isn't
3: that crazy, though, that people are like, you know, and and, and that's all 100 percent, in my opinion, due to the 15 minutes or less, you know, with the with the gecko. Like, I mean, it's, well, that's, think, that has to be what where that mindset is coming from.
2: Well, think about your buying experience when you buy a pair of shoes, like whatever yeah. you want to buy. You know that if you go to Amazon, you know exactly how it's going to work. Yeah. And, and there's an expectation that's been built. I'm going to research it, then they're going to do this, and then I'm going to purchase, and then I'm going to get an email. I mean, we just built that into all of our different things. and. Where we found people would fall off, we would either add a stage or amend messaging just to keep them engaged. Because if you set the right expectation, I don't care if you're mm-hmm. about the first lines, what you set the right expectation, people are good generally with that. You know, yeah. I make them know up front if if you want quote in fifteen minutes or less, I'm not your guy. Right. This is what we're going to do, and then we and then we fulfill the value that we've the value promise that we've given them
1: yeah i think we sell ourselves short on that too man and you know we need to be more ballsy about how we tell our constituency they need to do business with us and i I did an ad i don't know if it's run yet or not but i did a video ad where i basically said hey i'm the guy you sit next to at church i'm the guy you're in the bleachers with i'm the guy you come to when you want a little league team sponsored why are you buying your insurance from fictitious characters and animals on tv when i'm the one that's really supporting your community activities you know Is your Is your baseball team sponsored by Progressive? Is I mean I didn't get I didn't name names or anything like that, but I mean you know people by Doctor
3: Rick, yeah,
1: you know that. But that's that's the thing. People don't realize that we're a small business in their community too, and we. But at the same time, we've made them think that. Yeah, it's the agent's fault. People buy insurance because how we taught them to buy insurance. Yeah, for us to switch that perception is like turning a cruise boat. You know, you're not going to do it right away, but it's going to take the action of a lot of agents having similar messaging until we can train people to buy from us. But to your point with Amazon, this is not a lie. We had 10 to 12 transactions with Amazon in my household yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. One day we're buying from Amazon in you know, if we want to compete with that, if we don't want Amazon in the insurance space, we better figure out how to create that buyer journey real real quick. And the one thing I would tell anybody out there, if you want a, a, an amazing book to read, it's a it's it's a crazy phenomenon that happened to me. I never read Seth Godin's permission uh, permission marketing or whatever I think that's the name of, it. permission-based marketing or permission marketing. Never read it when it came out in the early 2000s. I read it like 2 years ago. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, holy crap. This dude, almost two decades ago, predicted exactly how Amazon is going to be doing business today. To a T, man, it was scary to know that this was not a revised edition. This is the original book that this guy was basically a prophet and predicted everything Mm -hmm. Amazon was gonna do. Read that book, do what that book says. If anybody wants an instruction manual for how you should be marketing to your clients or prospects, read that book because it gives you a blueprint for exactly what that buyer experience should be. And if you think about it, it's a mental block for us that own agencies, at least for me, because to chase people around the internet seems counterintuitive to how I want to do business. I'm used to wearing the suit and tie, shaking somebody's hand, thanking them for their business and everything else. But that's not how they buy from Amazon. That's not how they buy from Zappos in some of these other places. And if you think about it, if you're going to be in a digital era, you have to format your marketing messages as if you're operating in that in that realm, right? And it's not uncommon. Think about this. I go, buy, I go look at stuff all the time, put it in my cart and leave it. There's a hundred percent chance I'm getting a, 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 a still in your cart message in my email. And then most times they're going to offer me a coupon code, right? Now, obviously we can't discount people's insurance, but We can certainly be using that trail messaging like that when somebody, because think about this, let's boil it down. Somebody wants an insurance quote. How is that any different than me going to LIDS, putting a hat in my cart, and then not ever buying it? LIDS knows that I was interested because I put the hat in the cart. Now they have my IP address. They have my email address. They can now market to me consistently. How is that any different than somebody filling out a quote request form and then never acting on it? It's the exact same premise.
3: Dude, what is your fitted hat size? It's got to be like nine and three quarters. That that freaking melon you got working there.
1: I am seven and a half. In, <laughs> no. Depending on how long I let my hair get, it could be seven and five eight.
3: There's no way.
1: I do have a friend that has an eight and a half though. And if you think that my head looks like it's a nine something, you, you do not want to see this guy's head. He, he could He couldn't. He played baseball with me. You should see him in a batting
2: helmet. It's the greatest thing ever. Uh. you know i think that to your point you guys are in a spot dealing with that middle market commercial to where and i've heard you say it the reason you win business is not because you priced something it's because you brought value and you know what you're worth Mm
0: -hmm. the
2: problem with the rest of the industry that doesn't play in that space is that we've bastardized ourselves to to be the guy who gives a quote Yeah, you're Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day. I say it all the time. It's, it's, you know, we changed the way we sold personal lines mm, probably about 18 months ago. We've always sort of done our our personal lines kind of middle income up. You know, that's sort of where we play. That's what our market's like. And that's what we Mm -hmm. like, low service. But we really changed the way we sold. And we started doing platinum, gold, silver, bronze. And... We, we, platinum is the best coverage, the best carrier, and, and we, we show them this option. But we started changing the expectation of low price. We started going back to across the table. This is what you have. This is why you need this. This is why the other guy that you've been, letting, you've been paying money to is doing a horrible job. You know, we, we pointed out the deficiencies. Guys, our retention skyrocketed. We upsold way, way more. I mean, we sell more platinums than we do bronzes. Always. That that's the way it works in
1: any kind of
2: a product. Mm-hmm. If you take that buyer through
1: the journey and explain yes. it to them, that's the thing. I think the place where we fail it, it is an industry is we don't put our dig our heels in and say, No, you're not the kind of client that I'm going to represent. We only work with people who do this. And when we launched personal lines, I have been. Resolute in the fact we will not write limits lower than 100, 300, 100. Period. Yeah, I really want everybody to be able to buy umbrella home and auto from us, but because of how things are set up in Florida, there are challenges there that don't allow that to happen yet. But it's coming. Here's what I can tell you the average person has no clue how insurance works, none, and they, they sure. you know they don't have <laughs> any idea. Look, mm-hmm. uh, my son, I'm going to give you a great example. My son who has a father who knows a little bit about insurance, got into a wreck. He's 17 or 18 years old now and recently started driving, got himself a car. And we won't get into the fact that he was on a wreck on 75 South, which is about an hour and a half away from Universal, which is where he said he was. So he was somewhere he shouldn't have been on a Friday night and got in a wreck. He rear-ended somebody and he was pissed. He he didn't realize that because he drives an O2 Civic that's worth about 750 bucks, that he didn't have comp and collision on his car. Didn't even realize what that meant. Well, I've got I've got you know the the limits I'm supposed to have. That'll more than pay for my car. No, that will pay for the other person's car. There's no point in me putting comp and collision on an O2 Civic. I'm never, it's never gonna happen. And I explained that to you. So number one, he did. I didn't explain it to him, obviously, to where he would get it. So I did a horrible job of educating him. But where I'm going with this is the average consumer that I talk to has no clue whatsoever. And I'm not just. I'm not talking about commercial at this point. I'm talking about personal lines too. My philosophy on people I think buying it works
3: personal lines.
1: Probably. Yeah. I. I. My. My philosophy is this. I don't care if you take risk. I just want you to understand the risk you're taking. If right. you want to self-insure for something go ahead. I'm not going to beat you over the head and force you to buy a product for it. If you have a house that has no mortgage on it whatsoever, and you're not required to carry insurance, I think you're an absolute fool if you self-insure for it. But if you understand that a storm comes through and blows your $300,000 house down, you're out 300,000 bucks because you didn't want to pay for property insurance. You made a quantifiable decision. You had data that said, I realize I'm taking $300,000 worth of risk. Where they don't understand it is when you say, you have 10-20-10 on your auto. Do you understand that you're self-insuring for everything above $10,000? You're giving a blank check of your assets to any attorney should you get into a wreck. If you T-bone a soccer mom in a Mercedes SUV that's got three kids on the way to practice and two of them get injured and have to go to the hospital, your life is ruined, completely ruined. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Is that really worth the 10, 20, 50 bucks, whatever it is a month you're saving?
2: No, especially down here where people drive like crap all the time. Well, and the the, the problem is, is that like we've talked about, the industry as in and of itself has gotten to the point where it's just, I want to sell a policy. I'm going to sell the policy. You come to me and say, hey, I've got 10, 20, which I think we have. Our, our minimums here are 30, 60, 25. This is what I want. This is all I want. I want The cheapest thing." And, and someone on the other end is happy to take that order. Yeah. How quick I can bust it out. But then those same agents want to bitch and moan at the carriers like, oh, you know, they don't they don't give us the tools we need to succeed. It's always someone else's fault. Change the way you do business. You know, change the mindset, become an actual advisor. And, and I I don't like the advisor. Like, I think it's become really, really in vogue to say now. But I mean, be professional. Otherwise, don't be expected to be treated like a professional. Yeah. If if my son wants to be treated like an adult, then you gotta do adult things. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. don't lie about where you're supposed to be and then get in a wreck an hour and a
1: half away. Yeah. Which when he which when his car was taken away and he was grounded, he figured out really quick he was still a kid. Yeah. I don't care if you're 18 or not. Yeah, the law says you're an adult. If you want to go be an adult, go join the military. If you're gonna live under my roof, now you play by my rules. Exactly. It, but it's, a, it's the same thing, Jack. If if we, if we you if you draw that line in the sand and you say, look, we're not going to represent anybody unless they're 100, 300, 100. There's a 100% chance that our book's not going to have anything other than people who have at least 100, 300, 100. That's it. Yep. yep. Will I close everybody that calls in? Absolutely not. Will I close what I want? Yes, because that's who we're catering to. That's where I feel the most comfortable in bringing business onto the books. The last thing I want is one of these people who doesn't understand insurance to come in. And even though you have them sign 15 forms and you know have call recordings and everything else explaining to them, they buy state minimum, get in a wreck, ruin their life, and now they're gonna come back and try and blame me. It's not that I wouldn't have the legal proof that I need to win a lawsuit. I just feel like garbage that somebody ruined their life because they made a bad decision and I had the ability to keep them from doing. it.
2: Oh yeah. Well, and and I think that moving forward, I think our industry is at a spot within the next five five to eight years. You've got a lot of people that are exiting, and you've got a lot of the, the I'm gonna call the older generation who, let's be honest, they're one. They're when you, you talk about the drawing the line down the middle, and I've heard you say that a bunch. You've got a lot of those people who are never going to invest in technology.
0: Mm-hmm. They,
2: and listen, why should they? They know what their exit plan is. They're making a, they make more money than I do. I can't argue with it. Do, probably do, all of us combined. Yeah. Do what you do. But understand your valuation will probably go down because whatever. But we've got a lot. We, the people in this room, on this conversation, listening to this conversation, are all progressive, if you will, when it comes to our industry. We're going to make hay here sooner or later if we're smart, because we can go, we'll be the ones acquiring those books and really ramping up those books. I see, I see potential in those old books. Dude, it's crazy part.
3: to me just to think about like, I mean, it, it applies to every industry. Like look at the automotive industry. They're not making model T's anymore. Like you have to progress and, yeah. and, and, and move forward. Like it's, it's, it, it doesn't change just because it's, In the insurance industry.
1: Yeah, but if you think about it, when we just go back to the conversation we had when Joe Clevenger was on and he was talking about going in and making these acquisitions and taking forever just to get paper digital. Yeah. Like filing cabinet after filing cabinet after filing cabinet. And I know my buddy Greg Hogan has done the same thing with some acquisitions he's made up in New York. And you know, I agree with you. I think that number one, um, money's cheap right now. So the interest rates aren't horrible and I'm hoping that that sticks for a little while. But um, I think we're going to be able to go out and have our pick of the litter as far as these acquisitions go. I really do. I think that if you're smart, and I mean, if you've not heard the episode we did with Clevenger, you should listen to that. Listen to it last night. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, man, because he's spot on. Go make friends with the old agents, Yeah, right? If you really want, I mean, because that's where the opportunity is. I don't want some guy that came in and built an agency using technology and automation and grew it to a million in revenue or even 500,000 in revenue in a few years. And he's just looking for a quick way out to go do the other thing. I don't see nearly as much potential for me to make an impact and increase incremental revenue on that as I do the guy that's been at the office at eight o'clock every day, five o'clock, he leaves every day. People come in, they do business with him, you know, every... I realize there's some risk there because it's the
2: person that they're buying from, but I also think that the opportunity far outweighs the risk. I think the pro forma between those two looks so much better for the acquiring agency. If that person is behind on technology, yes, it's going to be some, it's going to be some, you know, heavy lifting up in the beginning, but man, what I can do with his book of business or her book of business is fantastic. The other opportunity I see, and I, I actually had this conversation with one of my carrier reps, an Erie rep. And I was like, look, I said, I, I want to find that one person, two person shop. I, they don't have to be old. They could be young, whatever, that are having a hard time making it. I'll put my sales pipeline and funnel up against anyone in the nation. I feel like it's, it's good for what we do. I can make people successful. And she says to me, Jack, you know, I think so, too. But so many people are scared of you. Like, what? She said she said they're scared of your technology. I'm like, "What the what?" <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm just, I'm 45 years old. I'm the son of an electrician. I grew up doing construction work. There's no one more personable than me. I just I just choose to try to Make things a process, and in order to make things a process, you got to use some automation. So, mm-hmm. you know, it shame on me. I, it, that's my bad for that perception in, in, in our territory. But we are in North Carolina; we're behind the times. But I, mean, I see so much opportunity for, and, and I'm looking for it. So, any of you young producers out there, listen, I got a deal for you. <laughs> Call me. I think I think that as we move forward, it, listen, if I can take Florida Risk Partners, Rogue Risk, Kilgo Insurance, and we could all merge. Holy Let's do crap! It. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, you think about the talents there. You know, everyone brings their own skill set. That's the way of the future. The small agency doesn't exist. I think in eight years you can't. So I'm gonna I'm gonna
1: talk about something, and I haven't really talked about this publicly at all. There's only a couple of people who know about it. But basically, you just described exactly what I'm gonna do with Catalyst funding. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm building a funding mechanism. So right now, the assets that I have in that company are used to invest in seed stage and and in short sure tech companies, you know, to get it you know as an angel investment. But I'm going to have catalyst agency partners, and what that's going to look like is exactly what you just said. I'm I'm looking for that team. Ryan Hanley to come in and be the chief marketing officer, you know, I can go in and be, you know, CEO or operations person or sales off. I don't really care what my role or title is, but I'm looking to build the de- dream team of the C-suite that has figured out how to run an agency in today's environment. And those agencies out there may you, you know this is what I know from and I'm taking the glasses off now, it's getting serious. <laughs> it if, bad I, boy's if,
3: steaming up. if
1: if I start to rip the shirt, you guys
3: just disconnect <laughs> the call.
1: But listen, this is this is the idea behind that. I talk to so many agencies on for a killing commercial that want to get in, they want to make themselves better, but they just don't know how they can't do it. 750,000 to 1.5 million in revenue, and they're stuck and they've been stuck there forever. So, my thought process is hey, you want help? You want to be a $5 million agency? Here's what the deal looks like. Here's the C suite. Boom. We're going to bring all of these resources to you. You can learn from people that are the absolute best at what they do and in exchange for that we're going to take a piece of the ownership in your agency to do that and maybe we have a buyout in five years or maybe we wait until it's time for you to sell and we maximize our return on investment but i can build that process in the exact same digital environment that i've built killing commercial and then i have a community online so from the people that I'm gonna to use to educate these people. It's digital learning. I don't have to have the Jack Wingate go in and sit and talk to somebody. I would have Jack build out his education module and he would be part of that team that is going to take ownership in the agency and then you have everybody in an ecosystem in one repository they can feed off of each other. And one of the coolest things we're doing in Killing Commercial in the next two months when our mobile app launches is we're gamifying the community. So one of the things we do is we make sure that we give geographic exclusivity to everybody who's in the program because it just doesn't make sense for two agencies to use the same tools in the same town. but. We don't, So we don't compete against each other. I tell people it's collaboration without competition. Well, now we're going to get to compete. We're going to gamify our community to compete against each other, even though we don't really compete against each other. And we'll get sponsors to throw prize money and prizes in and carriers can participate or whatever else and have tickers with real time results going across the board. I can replicate that for Catalyst and do the exact same thing. And it will be not passive revenue but the investment for my time is on the front end of the whole process and building out the infrastructure once i do that i can monitor agencies progress as they go through the learning modules because i get a dashboard of where everybody is and make sure that they're following the framework that we set in place through the agreement when we end up going in to help them but i think that is a huge gap that this industry needs and for the people that don't have the cash to go out and hire a consultant Equities a drop in the bucket, you know, for them to bring people in that are going to multiply their agency five times, they're going to end up making more money by you know multiples of where they would have been. It's huge. There's a huge opportunity there.
2: Well, and you know, I, I think that the problem that most insurance agency owners have is they they they're want cheap. they're cheap yeah, they're cheap I'm cheap hell I know but we 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 do not want to lose control. So, but what's the utopian look like where I've got David Carruthers doing the commercial training? I mean, I've got the I, best, I've got the best in the world doing commercial training. I got Jason Kilgo doing call center training. You know, I've got Ryan Hanley in the in the seat that he really is loves in marketing. I mean, if you can, you know, plug and play the right pieces, I mean, goodness gracious. So yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think and, and here's the other thing, carriers moving forward. They're not going to want less and less. It's gonna get, it's harder and harder like we talked before we came on to get contracts to get good contracts. And we all know that the more size matters, you know yeah. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: so, so the big the, the bigger you are, the better contracts you can get or negotiate. I mean it that's a whole different you know discussion for a whole different day but yeah, I mean literally I, I in my agency, I want people to do what they're best at. And just do that really, really well. It's the same theory. <laughs> right. Stay everybody stay in your lane. <laughs> yeah, you're you're taking an agency that that does
1: not have the competency to take it to the next level. And I'm not saying they're incompetent at in selling insurance, they're just they've never been able to get past that level. They've been floundering or you know, treading water for five, 10 years in the same spot. They're never gonna get any higher. It's the law of the lid. It's in the 2021. 20, Laws of leadership that John Maxwell talks about, right? It's the law of the lid. You're only gonna your leadership's only gonna get you so far. And that's where they're at. If they really want to take it to the next level and maximize their asset, you got to bring in somebody who's gonna be able to do that. Now you can go in and try and hire that person, but good luck. Yeah. Why would you want to hire one person that has one specific skill set when you can hire the entire suite of, of people that are the best in class at what they do and get them all at once?
2: Exactly. <laughs> you know, right. and, and, and then, you know, you've worked at a big agency before. I, I haven't, but you know, th- there's a disconnect between that Arthur Gallagher of the world, and, and they're good for what they do, I would assume. But there's a, if you had a small agency feel with the, the big agency size and the entrepreneurs inside it, oh man, that, that gets real scary to the BB&Ts or whatever they're called now, Arthur Gallagher's Marshes of the World, because we'll go in and whoop their tail in the big accounts. And then we'll take all the rest of it, too, because we're still personable, I mean, you know.
1: <laughs> and we'll refuse to sell to them, which only drives the valuation higher and makes them more nuts.
2: Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, yeah
1: absolutely, man. so that that went in a different turn but I, that was, that was good conversation yeah for sure. so you know, this is what I would ask you if you were giving anybody advice today as far as one thing if they, let's just say they were that agency that sort of stuck they realize they maybe need some automation, maybe they need some systems, whatever else to me, the journey I, I'm gonna ask you what what you would how you would advise them, but to me the journey is very similar to what it is when you're going to on board a VA. Okay. And and here's what I mean by that. I don't use VAs until this week. We literally started with our first VA this week. And I I put him in because I'm going to use him as an appointment setters only. That's all I'm going to have them do. Once I understand the lay of the land and how to make all that stuff work, then I'll probably augment other things. But in bringing this guy on, what I had to do was Make sure he's trained, right? He doesn't know what my expectations are. He doesn't know what our procedures are. He doesn't have calling scripts. He doesn't have any of this stuff, and so I think that because you see so many people in online forums talking about, oh, you know, my VA did that for me, or I got a, I've got fifteen VAs in my office. I don't have to have, you know, whatever it is people think that that's an easy thing to do. You just buy a VA and that guy's going to come in or that lady's going to come in and boom, they're going to immediately work for dirt cheap and take all this work off your plate. Here's a fun fact, people. It's three times the work up front to bring that VA in because what you have to do first is identify every process that you want that VA to take over from you. Then you have to document it and you have to record trainings to make sure they understand exactly what it is they're supposed to do, how you want them to do it, And that's your job. You have to do that. So for me, you know, if these agencies want to get into automation or they want to get into using virtual assistants or any of these other shiny objects that so many people are talking about that are the progressive thinkers, you actually have to not think progressively and think very rudimentary in the terms of this is the task. These are the exact. And and it reminds me of one of my least favorite classes in college, which was technical writing. Oh, my God. Like that was the class where they taught you how to write in an instruction manual for programming a VCR or whatever else. You have to stop and think, okay, I've never done this before. So let me let me or let me think about how someone who has never done this job before would need to be taught in order to understand the best way to do this. It's not easy. No. No, no it's and, not
2: easy at all. And and it, and it was it's funny because I, I heard in one of the podcasts I listened to you talking about you you haven't you haven't had the time to do the VA yet, and I was going to give you some crap about that. And and mm-hmm. I'll reach out. I've i gone through the process. I can I can tell you because I heard one or two things that you said that how you were going to do things that I'll I'll tell you to change. Tell uh, me now. Tell me now. So don't record your videos on Loom because at some point in time you don't have access to them or they get in some crazy funnel if you use. We export them to Vimeo. Okay, I was going to say do that if you if you're a Microsoft shop throw it to stream or whatever. That way it's it's easier. We actually make unlisted videos on YouTube. Anyways, um, so that's the better way because otherwise looms get lost. Um, but yeah, but so when I'm working down the process, I literally start with, okay, what's the problem I want to solve? That's, uh, it's always got to start with the problem, right? And then mm-hmm. I just sort of walk, I have a whiteboard and you can't see it over here. I like it. it's a painted, my wall is painted. And I literally go over there and like, okay, well, here it is. And then I'm running down this this path. And then here's the next thing that needs to be done. And I literally just talk about and I, and I visualize what needs to be done. And then I go back and I go, is that a task only Jack can do? Is that a task I can automate? Or is that a task I can outsource? Or is that something someone else on the team? And I literally just figure out that step-by-step. Step. That's gotta be your, the that's the foundation. Everything else is just backfill after that. So once you determine Okay, if you don't have an automation platform, then you are the person doing it. But you have to get the processes down. It has to be a procedure. It has to be that, that Model T assembly line. I mean, as much as we all like to think that what we do is really special, it's really not. For the most part, we have the same conversations a lot of times. And we do the exact same things a lot of times. So just see it for what it is and then figure out the lowest common denominator of money. Or who can do it best? You know, that's literally how we've done it. I mean, it's like, okay, well, it's kind of hard to automate that. But if I throw it through a VA, then she can do that. Then it gets automated. Oh, yeah, however that works. So literally, you start with the problem, map it out, and go. And, it, and they're not difficult. They're, most of the times, it's four or five steps at most for most of our processes. Think about it. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, man. There's your problem the number
1: one stumbling block for any agency out there that wants to make a move and do these things is they don't have their processes documented to begin with. And I didn't No, me, me either. Me either. I mean, then you look at, then you look at a guy like Steve Holly who has like everything all the way down to the proper way to change the toilet paper in the office bathroom on a company intranet. Like he's, he is so far at the other end of the spectrum, but I mean, for me, it's the same way. And you know, for us, I don't want to say process isn't important. Processes are always important, but we don't have the volume that you do in terms of the number of policies that are coming through. You know, if you look at somebody like a Kilgo or some of these big personal line shops, you guys probably write more policies in a week oh, than we yeah. write than we write in a year. Yeah. You know, and and we don't have to we don't I shouldn't say we don't have to We just haven't sat down and documented because it's kind of like everybody knows what to do. But that's not the way that my agency needs to be to scale. So 2021 for me is all about processes, augmenting with VAs and and improving systems, but getting down there and making sure that every single thing is right. And, you know, for me, the biggest, the, the, the best thing that's happened to me is that I just got done recording 75 videos for Keeping Commercial, the second segment of the commercial training. Killing had 60, this one had 75 and Keeping is everything that happens after the sale because what I didn't realize is if these people had never sold middle market before, they don't know how to onboard and service it. They don't understand all of the risk management aspects of it and everything else. So. I basically had an oh crap moment and said, probably need to teach him that too. So we threw that into the mix. But in going through that process of teaching everything that's up here, I'm suddenly realizing, oh man, I need to make sure that my team knows that they should be doing this because this is how I do it. But there are, there's probably a half dozen things as I was teaching other people how to do it that I know for a fact I've never even
2: talked to Kyle about. I, no. I'll say, and, to, and to that point, the thing that has given us the most bang for our buck and the easiest thing for me to implement was our endorsement process. Very simple. I think it's maybe three steps. You know, it's really, really simple. Um, but what we found was because endorsements are done not on the back end, not the actual processing, but what the customer sees, it happens the same way every time now. You call in, send in an email, hey, I need to add a driver. Okay, great. We enter it in Infusionsoft Ticket. They get an email that says, hey, we got your request and it shows what the request is. We're working on it. It also sends them a text message. Would be different for commercial. Um, Text message. And then if you haven't seen anything within 48 hours, please reach out to us. And then when we close the ticket, they get something that says, hey, we're done with it. Here's your endorsement copies. And then literally it's it's, it's the same messaging. Mm -hmm. I personally was doing a change in went outside of the the, the, the the template, and guess what happened? I got a phone call. Hey, man, did this ever get done? Mm-hmm. Dude, something that simple makes you look so professional, and it also cuts down on the phone calls. So, I mean, yeah. simple, simple, yeah, stuff point. like that. And like you said, David, you know what you want to have done, and you do it that way. But does Sally in your office do it that way? And what happens if Sally leaves? Or what happens if Sally gets sick? Does it happen the same way? Mm-hmm. The customer doesn't care who's processing that stuff. They want to know what's taken care of. That's Sally. Sally's the worst. She's she always got a word. So much drama.
1: Well, listen, man, we have been going an hour and we could easily go another hour. And so in that spirit, we'll have you back on. But I want to be respectful of your time and, and wrap this thing up. So much information. Tell them how to find you.
2: Yeah, so I'm on all the social medias, although I'm trying not to be on a lot of them anymore. Um, LinkedIn, you can always hit me up there. But uh, listen, allchoiceinsurance.com is our website. Um, It's jack.wingate at allchoiceinsurance.com. If you want to reach out via email, listen. I've told everyone, I'm an open book. I'm, I'm an idiot who's happened to get really lucky in life, but I've made a lot of mistakes. I can tell you what to stay away from reach out. You can look up underneath the hood for whatever, whatever it's worth.
1: I I resemble that remark. (laughs) Well, listen, man, been a a true pleasure having you on. Uh, Always good talking to you and look forward to having you back on soon. I wish you guys nothing but the best. Keep pumping.
2: Y'all too. Keep doing what you do, man.
0: You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level. Next level. Check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.